Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. Brian Peller and John Marchant, Ben Meyerson. It's a perfect 12-0 season for Florida State. The regular season completed the seventh time in program history with a perfect regular season. They do it 24-15 to comeback fashion, if I can call it that. I mean, it, it kind of felt nailed down by the fourth quarter, but down 12-0 early to make the big run to come back and obviously win this game. I can get into the details, and, and I'm sure there's plenty of details to talk about from the game in particular. But, John, I do want to go to you first. You've talked about it all offseason. Coming into the year, this was what we expected to be a very fun season for Florida State, and it's hard to say this could have gone any more fun than 12-0. and 0. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I believe, if I remember correctly, I had 11-1 and 1 preseason when we had our pod talking about our predictions. I had 11-1, so... I, I, you know, you can't ever say, oh, I expect them to go 12 and 0 because it just doesn't happen, you know, unless you have a special team. This is a special team. This was a special year. It was definitely very, very fun. Obviously, the, the Jordan Travis thing, uh, really sucks, but the rest of it, man, it's been a really fun ride. I can't believe they're 12 and I woke up today, you know, I, I like a lot of no nation, big, big smile on my face. Um, like I said, 12 and 0 is, is very special. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And I, and like I said, I know we'll get into the details of this game in particular in a second. And then, Maybe we'll take a look in the future at Florida's next game, August 34th or 31st, I'm sorry, 2024. But Ben, in the meantime, 12-0, and 0, uh, yeah, it, it feels good, right? Absolutely. You know, I think John kind of nailed it. We we all kind of predicted about 11-1, and 10-2. and 2. I, I don't think anyone was quite brave enough to say this team would go undefeated. And I mean, they, they just, they rolled this year. Um, this was a last you know as much nitpicking as we, we've kind of done throughout the year and, and i think some of that is deserved <laughs> um you know this team has come up big in, in all the big moments and, and that last night uh that was the biggest moment for this team and you know kind of kind of felt like that game was the embodiment of this year in, in a way um just everything seeming to go wrong at first and then you know in the second half the, the team really turns it around and uh kind of stomps out opponents. So yeah, man, this, this year has been so much fun, really looking forward to the postseason. And I think, but verse said it after the game, this team still hasn't put together a, a real game. And, and I think like you said, yeah, I mean, it, it is the embodiment of it because it was nasty. It was gross. And then like the whole fourth quarter, you kind of felt like, well, they're not going to lose this. They've kind of got, even only up two, you still kind of felt like, well, they've got this, um, which again is, is gross, but like you just kind of felt it. I, I don't know how to describe it. Um, yeah, I mean, 12-0 and 0 is what we kind of hoped for, right? I mean, we both said, I think all of us said 11-1-ish. and 1-ish. Like you said, 10-2. and 2. Um, I, I know with the beginning of the year, we looked around and said, LSU-Clemson, that, that's your spot. If you if you can get through those two, great. Whatever's ahead of you is is not as difficult. And and sure enough, it, it proved not to be. Uh, you were able to really put together a great year. You've gotten better in areas. Uh, where you needed to. I, I declared the run game dead, and you looked much better this week against Florida again. Still not ready to say that they're they're back and on the table, but, uh, you know, you looked better. You you saw Jared Verse come on when you needed him to, and, and you've kind of found different ways to – I don't want to say different ways to win because it's not like you were, like, ever really that pushed on it. Um, but you found – you basically had to do it in different ways. You had guys missing throughout the year – it does suck. Like John said, you have to do it now without Jordan Travis. But you look up, you had to go to a backup quarterback on the road in a rivalry game. Uh, yes, granted, they played their backup as well. But you still, in this game, found a way to win. And this team, um, like like we said, 12-0 made the ACC title game. And, and win the ACC title would, would be an easy way to pin a successful season. Pinned, correct, successful. Um, I think playing a backup quarterback, we can discuss whether or not they have to win this week to, to do that. But uh this is this is the year we hoped they'd have, and, and hats off to them for pulling it off. Uh, ben, I know you were chomping at the bit to jump in on this particular game. We kind of touched on it a little bit. You're down seven nothing, ten nothing, twelve nothing, um, and and you come back and you, you from that point on, uh, you only trailed from between the end of the third and the start of the fourth, but uh, you kind of really controlled the game after that. You made a long drive to end the first half and, and kind of took over from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you, you kind of laid out there how the game flow went, but I think the biggest takeaway that 
you know, I walked away with was just the, the poise of this team. I mean, really, they, they were poised in the moment. They did not panic. Um, even when things kind of looked really ugly in the first half, and it was really ugly up until that last <laughs> offensive possession, um, they they never seemed rattled. Um, and I think that's, you know, you kind of expect that to happen, or, or at least – in, in part, right, with a backup quarterback, given the situation under the lights, all the pressure, you know, um, UF is obviously playing for bowl eligibility, but FSU has much more to lose. And, you know, they they stepped up, they made the plays when they needed to. And this is just a really, really clutch football team. They, they've just figured it out. Um, in particular, shout out to Adam Fuller, a guy who, you know, before the season we were we were talking a lot about and not for for the right reasons. Um, he has just created this dominant, I would say, borderline elite defense that is just pitching second half or near second half shutouts almost every single game. Now, it doesn't really matter who the opponent is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, between that and, and the offense kind of figuring things out and and getting just enough out of Trey Benson and getting some key plays to Keon and Jaheim and, of course, Johnny, you know, getting targeted a lot. Um, they, they just gritted out this win. Um, and, and that first half, we'll talk about that at some point and the offense and all that. It was ugly. It was as bad as it could have been. Um, and, and this team bounced back from that. They responded in a great way. So, you know, I, I think the the two, the true test of teams is always kind of the response that they have in, in those really bad situations. And this team showed you exactly who they were in that second half. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, either team will, will get some form of prize for this being a pretty game. Uh, I think the total yards for both teams was somewhere in the, uh, I got it right here, 224 for Florida State, 232 for UF. Uh, 121, 100 and, uh, let me do quick math, 112 total penalty yards in this game. I mean, it was gross. Um, but to your point, you found ways to win. You found the winning plays. Uh, it, it right off the bat, I mean, right off the jump, it, Florida came out swinging and was throwing punches to start the game. They were playing strong defense. They were aggressive. They were running the ball really well. And, and the occasional decent throws from the back up there. Uh, he had one down the sideline that stood out. I was like, wow, I was, if he's going to throw like that, this is going to be a problem. Uh, but from there, you were able to make his life a whole lot harder and and, and still find a win it. John, is it a lot of that same for you? Uh, the, the clutch finding ways to kind of do it? Yeah. I mean, I think Ben made some great points because the thing that Norvell has talked about all season long with them, right, is you're going to have adversity. How do you respond? Right. So you kind of prep them for that. And and, and you know, we talked a little bit, too, in, in the past about how much they rotate on defense and all this other stuff. And they almost, you know, we had kind of criticized them a little bit, or at least I had I had for, you know, not trying to put teams away as early as possible, but playing for like the fourth quarter to, you know, like we talked about kind of squeezing them the life out of opponents. And that just seems to be how this team plays. And yet it just works. Um, and like Ben had mentioned, you just we FSU's. Defense does not really give up any points uh, in the second half. I think the only touchdowns after September uh, in the second half was a garbage time touchdown to Wake Forest and then the fluky 85-yard touchdown to Miami. That's it. No other teams have scored any touchdowns in the second half since September. So, you know, and, and back then when I went in September, when I criticized Fuller, I had said, uh, you know, he was doing less with more and, that's not the case anymore. It hasn't been the case for a while now. Um, you know, FSU's defense won this game until the offense could figure something out, manufacture something. So, yeah, I I think the way that, you know, Norvell coaches, he never gets too high or too low, right? And he, again, is always coaching his team, you know, how do you respond? How do you respond? You know, you're always going to get punched in the mouth. How do you, how do you fight back? So, I think that's a big deal. I think that's a big part of it. The culture that he's built here at Florida State over the last two seasons, you know, be physical um, and and always prepare. Like, because that's the other thing, too. I mean, that's how, you know, if you have a big play come against you, a big turnover, right, you see some teams are not mentally tough. They kind of fall apart or get rattled for a while. And that just doesn't happen to this team. And I think Ben was, was spot on. And it's really, again, a testament to Mike Norvell and what he's built and his coaching staff that they reinforce that every single day. And I, I think that's a big reason why they went 12-0. 
Yeah, and I think that when you look at Norvell and the credit he deserves for this, um, you could see he knew this was going to be a fight from the beginning, right? The the ferocity with which he was going after the referees. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen it. I think it's on our social accounts. Uh, Charles Mays' photo of Norvell just uh, staring a hole in the referee. His eyes are, are, are like the size of plates just looking this guy down. Uh, a hilarious photo in hindsight. But um, obviously that's that's a huge swing early in this game that you – you kind of really don't need, but I mean, he's right, right? Like you understood where he was coming from because you knew you needed those plays. You couldn't afford that. Yeah, no. And, and he, you know, you saw that as well with the aggressiveness of the play calling. I mean, they went for it on that. What was it? Fourth and six, the, the fake punt. Um, Mike Norvell, the, the, the thing, and this is a, something we talked about, I want to say two or three weeks ago that, in terms of fourth down aggressiveness, I actually prefer it when coaches save it for the big game situations. You know, a lot of people like to think like, oh, you know, you, you do it against lesser opponents, but but really you need those big swing plays and these these games that, you know, these rivalry games, these close conference games. Um, and, and I feel like Mike in particular this last month and a half has done a really good job of picking his spot, whether it was, you know, going for it on fourth down or some different gadgety sort of things. So, you know, that was, that was just one thing I wanted to mention, um, you know, obviously a- along with getting after the refs and, and, and just um, handling the game as a whole. I, I think Mike did a really, really fantastic job last night. And, Again, and I, I keep using this this word over and over, but the poise of this team, staying poised, not you know getting beyond the next down and, and freaking out when the game looked like a disaster. Twenty minutes in, you know they they stayed the the path and um, they played it out. Yeah, the 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 explanation as well on the you know going for it, the onside kick, the fake punt. Um, you know it would have worked the fake punt in this game, the onside kick against Miami. It would have worked. Like obviously, they're they're looking for those opportunities and looking for not just like, hey, it feels like we need a big swing play. Let's just take it. It's something that they've scouted, they found, and they want to take those shots with. Um, so, I mean, hats off to them for being. Um, I don't want to say still hungry, but you know, like still hungry. Like, I mean, that that's the type of thing I think an underdog team would look for, and you could easily be the eleven and O team, the nine and O team when you're playing Miami, and and not play it that way, but. Obviously, they're still looking for it and still trying to find those those windows. Was there anything from this game? I mean, obviously, uh, we kind of figured, or at least I kind of figured, it, Tate would kind of look more towards Johnny, I thought, than Keon from um, what I remembered from last year's game, and, and he came in in relief. So that that didn't terribly surprise me. Obviously, a little rapport with Jaheim. Um, I guess, what did you like? What did you not like from Tate since he's your guy kind of going forward into this ACC title game? Um. That's a great question because we could talk for the whole pod about just Tate and his performance. Obviously, it was really rough early. I mean, the biggest thing about uh, being a quarterback is you have to manage the game. And that means you got to get up to the line, get the play call out, get them, get the ball snapped. And he had what? We had three delayed games at least. I think two were on the offense, one on that special teams on that punt. Um, and, and it was the same thing that we had seen from Tate before. So, like, on one hand, he hasn't really gotten a whole lot of experience or snaps, right? Especially with the first team all season. I think he before the game against UF, he'd never taken more than 31 snaps in a season. And he's a redshirt junior. But on the other hand, you would expect a redshirt junior to execute the offense better than what we saw from Tate. And, you know, he is kind of the player that we thought he was. He he takes a, a second or beat longer than he, he needs to to kind of make his decision and deliver the throw. Then um, that's noticeable. There's at least one, one uh, uh, pass that Florida had a chance to pick off, and it didn't, you know, didn't quite work out, but you know, there's some good and some bad. There's going to be some things that take and improve on for, for next season. I, I do think that maybe they should have run him a little bit more in the beginning. Um, again, a little bit more of RPO kind of stuff. I was hoping to see, but we didn't really get to see it. Um, overall, he, he did. Okay. Again, I'm, I'm going to rewatch the game, try to, you know, see exactly if, if we can get any more information from that. But I, you know, I thought he could have done better as a retro junior, but overall he was just, he was just okay. There were some good plays. Um, again, I think he's most comfortable when he's dropping back and he throws in rhythm, right? When, when Tate kind of takes a snap, which it's always in shotgun in this offense, he takes a three-step drop and then just throws it immediately. That's when he's at his best, right? He throws in rhythm, uh, and it's accurate, right? Usually took a receiver, but if he hits that back step of his drop, he gets to the top of his drop and he doesn't like what he sees, 
then we're in we're automatically in trouble. And I think that was some things that he struggled with last night. And I I do think the offensive line struggled also. Um, they didn't really give him a whole lot of time. Uh, the Prince Princely Uma Melin or whatever his name is, that kid ridiculously good. He got to to Rodmaker at least once. Um, so overall, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. We're gonna see uh what Louisville does, but that's what I got. Ben, thoughts on tape? Yeah, I, I think, you know, John hit a lot of the good points that, um, you know, Tate, he got close to turning the ball over that one time. But I, I think I, I came away with just being impressed with how he handled himself in that second half, not putting the ball in harm's way. Um, again, kind of goes back to what I've been talking about all pod, the poise, right? He he, he did not seem flustered by the moment. Um, and I think that was one of those things that is definitely a concern when you're bringing in a quarterback like that. So I think just the fact that after such a rough first half, he didn't, you know, he didn't continue down that negative play path. um, That to me was really impressive because in in the first half, you know, he certainly wasn't great. Of course that safety wasn't, wasn't good. Um, But I, I think the offense as a whole, just had a lot of negative plays in that first half, right? They didn't get on the field a lot, but I mean, Trey Benson, his first half stat line was five carries for two yards and a touchdown with a long run of 16 yards. It's a lot of negative plays if you're going to put up that kind of stat line. And, you know, I, I just thought it was a situation where up until that last drive of the first half that, you know, they just couldn't, get out of their own way you know they would get negative play on on the on a first or a second down and then they'd have terrible third down situations where it'd be third and seven or eight or longer or even beyond that um so you know i i think after that first half you kind of see what everyone's talking about online on twitter and everything in our tomahawk nation chat people of course are like oh my god tate like you know you saw a few people be like calling for Brock Brock Glenn, which of course that was never going to happen. But I thought in reality, there was just so much bad going on around him that it was going to be hard for him to, to make up for all those mistakes. Um, and the offensive line was atrocious. Like, like there's just no getting around that. That first half was very ugly. Trey Benson was not good in that first half. Um, but, you know, in, in the second half, af- as you know, the rest of the team kind of settled around him, the offensive line played better um, and they started improving throughout that game. And, and Trey Benson started, you know, ha- having some really good runs, having better vision and, and just, you know, as they got more comfortable, um, he looked good. And and I don't think he particularly changed from that first half to that second half. I just think, you know, this the situation in that first half was as bad as it can get for a quarterback. And I think all things considered. Um, he handled it better than I th- I thought he would. So, um, you know, I don't think he's going to blow you away with with anything in terms of, you know, slinging it downfield. Like like John mentioned, you know, once he kind of gets out of that rhythm of the play, he does struggle and he's probably not going to be that playmaker. And, and, you know, the longer the play goes on, it's kind of like that. Uh, it's, it's like the three point shooters in the NBA where you're like, no, 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 no. You know, and when they take a heat check three, it's like, like, stop. Like, I do not want to see the end of this play. But um, I, I think if they can continue to kind of find rhythm with this offense, get the run game going a little bit more. Um, I, I think Tate can be better than he was in this game. So I, overall, you know, mixed bag. It wasn't awesome from him, but there were also a lot of opportunities for him to lose the game and he didn't. So I think you have to give him a lot of credit in that he set up this team to, to win, you know, by not having so many negative plays in that second half. John just sneezed for anyone who was curious. It didn't come through the microphone. So hats off to him, but I had to, I had to call him out in case for some reason he thought he did. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, I thought Tate played fine. Um, The, the concerns that I have are that, you're like you are not going to face a worse defense than this one going forward, and you're not going to likely face a worse offense than this one going forward. Um, obviously, Florida with a backup quarterback was abysmal down the stretch. Uh, I think they had negative yards in the fourth quarter, so I mean, I, it wasn't really like they were pushing you and forcing Tate to make plays for you. Um, I mean, look, if this was October and I think you had, you know, Wake Forest or, or, or teams that maybe wouldn't push you as much on the schedule, I think Tate is plenty fine. 
Uh, you're the problem now. Obviously, you're running into Louisville. Obviously, they they lost last week to Kentucky. I, I just don't think that's a team you can sleep on still. Um, and then you've got ahead of you potentially a playoff turn, a playoff game if you win that uh, against what'll end up being Georgia, Michigan, Oregon. Uh, maybe Washington is something that that that's still going to be a slightly better defense than this one. But but nothing is going to be to Florida's level if you want to get where you want to go. Um, so yeah, I mean he does have to be better. Um, but I, like you said, Ben and or and I think John mentioned it too. The O line, the O line also has to be better than what they gave him in the first half. Of course, also part of this, you're not going to Gainesville anymore the rest of the season. There is no on the road hostile environment game. So maybe some of the delay a game type stuff kind of gets taken out as well. The pressure though is is just only getting started to ramp up. Um, obviously, Trey Benson is the star of, of this one. The 19 carries, 95, three touchdowns. As I've mentioned, uh, no shortage amount of times here that I think the running game is not something they can trust. Um, ben, I think you said if they can find it better next week, I have a hard time imagining that that exists. But but you know what what do you think they can do to kind of keep this running game at least where it can be the part that scores for this offense? Maybe you don't have to put up something crazy totals, but something more than what they've got. Yeah, well, I, I think the biggest issue was was obviously that offensive line in the first half. That that's the issue with this run game right now. It's not not Trey Benson. Trey Benson's a ball. Very good. <laughs> yeah, he he was not good in that first half, and, no. and there are a lot of plays where you could see his vision was just poor. I mean, there's just no way getting around that. But um, you know, I think moving forward, the run game. I think they they found some success with counter. Uh, against Florida. Um, and I think they need to lean into that more, but I I'd also just like to see more of, I don't want to say gadgety sort of stuff, but more of your unconventional sort of running plays. Right. I, I think if you just have a conventional run attack moving forward, they're just not going to be successful, successful. It's not going to work. Um, we've seen that so far through the season. And, and like you mentioned, Brian, they're not exactly going to face easy teams going forward. So, you know, it's not like they can go up against some of those lower ACC teams. Um, so I, th- I think they need to get unconventional. I, I like some of the jet sweeps to Jaheim Bell um, that they did. Um, I-, I think they need to to get Toafili a little more involved in, in that as, as well. And I think more than anything, too, last night, they didn't really get the running backs going with the passing game out of the backfield. And, and that's where they've found a lot of success towards the second half of the season, right, is is using Trey Benson out on that little Texas choice route um, and getting him, you know, to the boundary, doing different stuff like that um, to give him opportunities in the passing game. And when they've done that, it's opened up the run game a little bit more um, now. Again, this run game isn't going to be great, but I think if they can just do a better job of avoiding negative plays, that to me is the biggest thing moving forward, you know, and I think that's what really killed this team in the first half was they just had so many negative rushing plays to where, you know, they put themselves in really disadvantageous, you know, second, third downs, and they were kind of just setting the offense up for failure. So I I think, you know, the biggest thing for them has to be avoiding the negative plays. I think if they can do that, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but I think it will be good enough to, you know, support the rest of the offense. Um, And, you know, I I do think the more and more we see Tate, the better he's going to get um, just because of the lack of reps that he's had live reps. You know, I, I think he's going to get better the more he sees the field. So I think if they can just, you know, take some of the pressure off of Tate and, and not put it on him like they were in that first half. Um, that to me is kind of, that's going to be the key for the running game moving forward. John, how do you save the run game? How do I save the run game? I, they don't have the offensive line to save the run game. They, there's, they, they tried with a different lineup. The thing is, I think what you would really have wanted this whole season and it just never happened was Robert Scott at one tackle position, right? You move Bless Harris over to right tackle, and you put Darius Washington at center, uh, you know, and and um, or at a guard or something version of that. But you just you couldn't do it, and um, you know, a couple of players that that started a lot struggled, you know, this whole year, and it's just not going to get any better. You don't have the players on this team to do that. And again, there's some younger players that have talent that you know could have a higher ceilings than the current starters, but. Uh, it's just it's not going to change. Um, the hope is that you play. The hope is that you play uh, someone who can't take advantage of them. 
Well, I was going to say, do you do you think that's something that they can do going forward with, with the with the teams ahead of them? Obviously, Louisville, like I said, lost to Kentucky this week in a rivalry game. Um, so I'm sure some of us are down on them. I'm, I'm maybe not there, but uh, and then your potential playoff opponents, assuming you you were to able to handle Louisville. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the things that see that's the other two. I think one thing that fits Tate, um, and Norvell's done it a couple of times. They did it last year against Louisville when when Tate came in for Travis, who was hurt. Is they they like to run a lot of max protect stuff, right? It's almost like an NFL level thing. Like he might line up in the pistol or something, but you end up running max protect. You have a you keep the tight end and the running back in, right? And uh, to block, and then you're only having like one or two routes out receivers, so it's easier for Tate to diagnose. Right, you're trying to get a one on one matchup, that type of thing. So they may do a lot of that max protect stuff. It helps out the offensive line. Let's Tate throw throw down the field on those posts or. Uh, bang eight skinny posts and the, the slants, the things that he likes in the middle of the field. And someone had mentioned in the Tom Nation slat, so it's not my original thought, but I thought that was an interesting observation that it could have been the case. Um, it's hard for us to know. Uh, but you know, Tate really does like those middle of the field in breaking routes, you know, digs, slants, posts, uh, things like that. And we didn't really run any of that in the first half, a lot of it was screens and things like that. Um, and a lot of those, like Ben had pointed out, were negative plays. And it's almost like maybe Norvell, this was what the guys thought was, maybe that Norvell thought that Florida was going to take away the middle of the field. So he wanted to go to a lot of the screen game early outside the numbers. And yet that's actually what Florida had prepared for. Ended up in a ton of negative plays. And I think towards the second half, they really did start running more of those in-breaking stuff for Tate. And it just, he started popping them. And then when they did that, it kind of forced Florida to kind of back off the line of scrimmage. And then the running game started popping with, with Trey Benson. They did switch up the offensive line. Uh, they shuffled it around the second half looking for a different uh, group. And that it did also end up working. So Benson's two touchdown runs were enormous, right? One was, I think, 26. And the other one was like a 39-yard run. So um, just unbelievable stuff from him in the second half. Uh, but the offensive line also improved. So, I mean, for Tate against Louisville, the cool thing is they won. He's done it already. I don't think Louisville is – like, they're better than they were last year, but I don't think they're as good as their record was, right, because their schedule was extremely easy. Um, so it is kind of – for them, they'd have to be concerned. They just lost, like you had mentioned, Brian, to a – was a 6-5 and five Kentucky team, I think is what they were. So I don't think Louisville's as good as their record, but they're definitely better than last year. I, I think because you don't have Travis – Florida State is absolutely capable of losing this game. Um, but, you know, I get we've seen them face this adversity all year long and they they find a way to make it to make it, you know, come out on top. So it'll be interesting to see how Tate does it. And I, I just had rewatched the Louisville game last year and Tate hit a bunch of explosive plays, especially in the second half. And a lot of it, and the same thing he did against Florida on Saturdays, he kind of rolled Tate out of the pocket. You give him, you know, half the field to read. It's just easier for him. And Norvo likes to do his flood. So he'll have one deeper out, right? One medium and then a short one. And Tate does really well, that kind of stuff. So I expect to see a lot of that against Louisville again. Yeah, I, I think it's something that can work against Louisville. My my biggest concern going against Louisville, if we're if we're willing to jump there, and I do have a couple things I want to jump back to Florida on in, in a bit. Um and I've brought this up on, if any of you listen to the multiple podcasts across the board here, and you've only played one quarterback who either hasn't been benched or was a backup since September um, in Riley Leonard, or I, I'm not really keeping track of North Florida's quarterback. Um, maybe he was a starter. I don't know, but I won't, I won't even count him because I'm, unfortunately, sir, I, I do not care for you. Um you know, you played Virginia Tech, who's gone switched to some kind of two quarterback hybrid, trying to figure out what they've got going. Syracuse Schrader got got benched; he's back. They fired the coach. It's a mess. Riley Leonard obviously was the one starter. I think he played, but I don't think any of us can look ourselves at the mirror and say he was a hundred percent. Wake Forest has sat their quarterback. Pitt was on like a third or fourth string. Miami gave you the the uh, the freshman who was fine, but I wouldn't say think anyone would say was amazing or, or anything game-changing florida's obviously backup was was mediocre at best um i'm concerned on what louisville brings just by having a guy who's your starting their starting quarterback for a full season um just to give you something because the last two times you've done that are the three most points you've given up of course the other argument on the other side of this is you had two months to i guess kind of almost 
be better than you were before, right? Like, like I can sit here and say, well, the last time they faced a starter was Klubnik. And then before that was Castellanos. And in those games, they got torched and they got beat up here and they got beat up there. And, and, you know, you can, you can find areas in it, but to sit here and then say at the same time that this is the same defense we saw then is also disingenuous because they've had two months of meshing on the back end of rotating in frontline guys of, the linebacker core getting better and being quicker to the ball and chasing things down. Um, I'm just very interested what that side of the ball looks like. Cause I've been saying for, for two months now, I'm not sold on it. And I don't think that means they're bad. I just don't know what I'm going to see when Louisville's offense plays against Florida State's defense. I think Florida State's defense could be like you guys have been saying an elite group that comes out and they shut someone out again in the second half. Like they've done pretty much all year. Or I might go, well, this is what happens when you play a real offense for the first time in two and a half months. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair criticism. Um, and it, it's kind of that impossible question, right, where where you're right. They haven't seen any of those really tough quarterbacks, but at the same time, they've taken care of business. Um, and not just that, but I think the really encouraging thing and the thing that really turned me around is just how hot the defense is getting in terms of specific players, right? Jared Verse is, has really come on this back half of the year where, you know, not that he was bad in the first half of the year, but he really has turned it up to another level. And he he's making those kind of crucial game sort of changing plays um, that, that you expect out of him um, and that we were thinking he would make early in the season. Um, so he's getting a lot better. Patrick Payton is just fantastic. That defensive line has been eating. Um, but I, I think a guy that, you know, I know Florida State fans are certainly talking about, but I think is going to become more known kind of nationally is Jerry and Jones has just turned it up to another level. I mean, he is playing him himself into a, a pretty good NFL draft pick with, with how he's playing right now. He locked up um uh sorry the, the uf number one receiver last or pearsall that's couldn't think of his name but he locked up ricky pearsall last night um and, and he's just done a really fantastic job you know locking up number one receivers um you know he did it against miami as well so you know i mean beyond that too north alabama he he had the strip sack fumble six um i want to say I, he has just been all over the place. Um, Akeem Dent looked really, really good um, against Florida. I, I think think things are just kind of coming together for this defense um, in, in a way that I didn't expect them to. Well, the one thing that I think they have to clean up, especially coming out of that Florida game, is Akeem Dent with these absolutely egregious, aggressive hits. I mean – John, how do you clean up something that violent, man? I don't. I just don't know. Uh, you you just have to eject them from the sport for for life. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know what else you could do. It's they're they're clearly a menace. Uh, they're they're bad for this. You know, players like that are bad for the sport, and you just have to get rid of them. <laughs> That's clearly what the ACC thinks. That's uh, an absolute joke. It was such a bad call. A, a, a clean sack, it obviously ends up costing you four points, if not more, because quite frankly, I don't think anyone's willing to trust a college kicker, even from 35 yards out or 32 yards, whatever it was. And any any distance further than the ball already between the goalposts is, is far enough where I'm not willing to put the points on the board. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's an egregious call and, and one that I think when you look at this defense and you say, well, they gave up 15 points to a backup quarterback. It's like, well, no, they didn't. Two was a two of the points were uh, a safety. So those automatically come off. And then the touchdown out of that is something that should have been a field goal. So in reality, you held them out of the end zone the entire game. And um, you know, that, that that's annoying. I mean, overall, John, the growth of this defense, it, same for you, fair to say it's not the same defense we saw before. It's a hundred percent, not the same defense. I'm really glad that we got onto this topic because you know, the, the linebackers against Florida were awful, uh, especially in, in the first half, but the defensive line was unbelievably dominant right and i you know credit to uf and and max brown they had a great game plan for him he executed it the kid i he looked like a five-star true freshman when i had to look him up he was a former three-star and he he made a couple of nfl throws last night he was just athletic he made smart decisions quick decisions so i give a lot of credit to them but over the course of the game i mean again this defensive line was just 
just destroying Florida up front, but the linebackers were guessing at what gap they're supposed to be in. They're jumping over instead of filling in their gap. And again, you know, Fuller asks a lot out of this defensive line. Sometimes they even two gap, right? Or take on multiple blocks and that type of thing. He asks a lot of them to keep the linebackers free. And when the linebackers are not where they're supposed to be, because they're guessing about where the run is going, right? That's how they popped a lot of the runs, uh, especially in the first half. Um, but they cleaned all that stuff up uh, towards towards you know the end of the game, and and they just then Florida got nothing after that. Um, but you have to give this defense credit, right? So I just looked it up. I saw to post it in the chat where it looks like the S and P plus um, has this defense ranked as the tenth best in the country. I mean, you're borderline elite at that point. So uh, you, you know what Ben had said earlier is one hundred percent spot on. I agree with it. Um, they were not though in the beginning of the season. They were around twenty fifth. And they had better players. You had Verse come back and all your other good players come back. And you get Braden Fisk, who is unbelievably phenomenally good this year. Um, you know, so you were better. You had better talent and you were worse. But they cleaned all that stuff up, the communication on the back end, everything. And yeah, while the linebackers had, had a rough night uh, on Saturday against against the Gators, overall, you know, they got it cleaned up later on. And then you have got nothing. This defense is crazy good. And that's, you know, Brian, to your point, too, about Louisville having their starting quarterback. And I'm not going to say they're not going to make a couple big plays. Like Thrash is a great receiver, right? They got a couple other really good players. Um, They're going to be able to move the ball and put up some points. But this defense, man, they are good. They are dominant up front. When the linebackers are on, you get nothing, right? I thought thought Fuller called a great game against UF, too. He blitzed the entire night almost from the very first play. And he just sent guy after guy after guy, including Akeem Dent, who apparently that's illegal to do. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it was a great game plan. They nailed it. They destroyed Florida. They got nothing in the second half. It was unbelievable. So, again, the reason why Florida State won that game against UF was because of the defense. The reason why they've been fine for the last, since, I don't know, middle of October, even before that, is because of this defense. So they turn it around ever since the bye week, and they've been phenomenal. So hats off to Fuller. I was wrong about him in the beginning of the season. He he got it turned around. He's done an excellent job. Yeah, he, he really has. And I think, you know, more than anything, too, where this defense is really winning and the difference, you know, for them potentially in this ACC championship game is situationally they've been incredible. You know, they're top five in terms of third down conversion percentage, they're top 20, I, I think, in terms of red zone defense. So, and, and, you know, teams can move the ball on them. They can get those big chunk plays. You know, we saw Florida have really successful sustaining drives early on in that game, but, but Florida state is just the ultimate bend don't break defense, you know, even in those situations, they've, they've just been incredible situationally. So, so I think, you know, I, I, I get where the concern is coming from from Brian, and you laid out some really good points. But I also think, you know, for this defense, um, they've been the closers for this team. And, you know, I think they'll have that opportunity against Louisville, and I expect them to make the most of it. Yeah, and again, I'm not I'm not saying they're bad because I know we're, we live in a world where the, the headline always grabs it. I know you guys are saying that. But uh, just to reiterate it in case I haven't, I'm not saying that I think they're bad. I'm not saying I think that Louisville is going to really give it to them or, or – or, uh, cause them a ton of problems. I just have a hard time saying I know for a fact that they're going to to play as exceptionally well. Um, I am looking over Louisville right now. Obviously, I, I, Jake uh, Jack Plummer, Jake Plummer's son, I believe, uh, the quarterback. No, actually, thing. I don't think they're related. No, not at all. No. Huh, well, how about that? I'll look into it after this to see how wrong I am there. Looks like Ben's already on it. Um, Nope, oh, and my screen just went away. Joar Jordan, the running back, is is kind of that top line guy. He's been banged up coming down the season. Not related at all. No, not really. that. Well, look at that. Isn't if that anyone wild? was curious, look at that. I've been watching him all year, sitting there going, "Yeah, it's Jack. That's Jake Plummer's son." So good to know that I've just been telling people the wrong thing all year. Just I don't know where they inferred that. I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm sure that was a, a frequent Google search there. Well, literally, when you search up Jack Plummer on Google, you know, they do people also ask. And the first question is, is he related to Jake Plummer? <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, so, but yeah, Jawar Jordan's been the running back, the, the guy who kind of keeps this thing churning for them. Uh, he has been banged up a little bit down here, down the stretch here. Um, he's not quite as explosive as he was. It was a hamstring injury. I think that was limiting him before. 
Um, so six, 17 for 67 against uh, Kentucky and his, his recent games haven't been as great. It's been Isaac Orendo, uh, who's been kind of doing a lot of that more recently. Um, so they're kind of now working as a tandem back there. So maybe that's something that could limit their explosive. And then, John, you mentioned it, Jamari Thrash, kind of that other guy. Uh, the one other person that really stood out looking at this, Joey Gatewood, a name that stood out as a Florida recruit back or a Florida quarterback recruit back in the day, actually playing tight end there. So how about that? He played at uh, Auburn as a quarterback for two years, then Kentucky at a quarterback for a year, and, and now he's playing tight end. So how about that full circle for that name? Um, outside of that, Amari Huggins-Bruce is pretty much the other guy who who could make plays. But um, I again, I don't think Louisville, and they've shown it, like they lost to Pitt. They just lost to Kentucky. That was six and five. I don't think they're an elite team. John, you mentioned the schedule for them has been soft. We kind of circled their schedule at the beginning of the year as a very soft schedule and one that would probably end up in a undefeated one loss, maybe two loss ACC schedule. And that's what they did. Um, but it, it may be just the best, easily the best, I think, of what Florida State has faced over the last two months. Um, I, again, I don't think they're elite. I don't think they're great. Uh, but I do think it's better than anything that Florida State has seen for two months and will be at least a good measuring stick before they try to make a playoff situation here. Um, any other thoughts from you guys on Louisville besides the fact that I, I learned that uh, that is not Jake Plummer's son. Uh, yeah, I do want to point out, it looks like, you know, SP plus from Bill Collin and the ESPN, uh, he hasn't been a big fan of the ACC or Florida state all season. Uh, but now the last couple of weeks, it actually has kind of turned around. Florida state is one of, I believe only four teams that are top 10 in both offense and defense. Right now, Florida State sits, sits at sixth on his rankings. Uh, offense is at 10th best in the country. Defense is ninth. I do not see Louisville on this list. I believe they're just inside the top 25 of S&P Plus for, for Bill Colony. But, um, so it's kind of interesting that he doesn't like Louisville as much, and I want to run down their, their schedule real quick. It, it was real soft. Uh, Georgia Tech, Murray State, Indiana, Boston College, NC State, who ended up did end up getting better over the course of the season. Uh, Notre Dame, that was their big signature win, I think. Uh, they lost by two scores to Pitt on the road. Then they beat Duke, Virginia Tech, Virginia, uh, Miami, and then they lost to Kentucky by by a touchdown, 38-31. So it's kind of kind of a weak schedule. Uh, they again, you know, credit to them, they took advantage of it. I don't think they're a bad team by any any stretch of the imagination. I do think they're a good, solid team, uh, but I do think Florida State's proven itself to be the better team. But a lot of that, whether they're going to win, is again to Brian's point, how the defense plays. You know, with a lot of you know Louisville's uh, playmakers, and then obviously Tate. You know, because uh, I think Brian, the last thing I want to say is your point about Florida's defense was really, really good because that was a horrible defense and Tate averaged something like five yards per attempt. That's not good. And they should have done a lot better. Uh, and they didn't. So I know it was Florida season, right? They, they you know, the, it was at night, the swamp was, you know, just on fire. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they put their heart and soul into it. They wanted to go a bowl game and get some good stuff. I get it. Uh, so they gave it their best shot, but um, I don't know. I, I am a little worried about Tate but it may be all right. Well, it's interesting you kind of set this up, and, and Ben, I'll double-check before I go this way back to Florida. Do you have anything on Louisville you want to add? Um, no, I, I just one small thing, really. I, I think, you know, John covered quite a bit, um, and, you know, he covered it well, but uh, just avoiding the negative plays. I was talking about it before. I think in terms of the offense, if they can just – they don't have to be perfect with avoiding the, the negative plays, but if they can just be better – I, I, I think this is a game they should win. Um, and, you know, obviously situationally too, um, if the offense is is good and they just don't make mistakes, um, I, I think this is FSU's game. So I will take that opportunity to spin it back to Florida because, John, you did mention the uh, the swamp rocking at night. And, and I have a few things that I feel like we need to discuss because, uh, my Lord, does rivalry games bring out the worst in everyone and anyone <laughs> because uh, – we had the the obviously personal foul, which was absurd, and, and all the we could move on from that. But uh, we also had the I'm not sure what to call it. Uh, fire hose spit in the face from the Florida guy there. Uh, the, whatever that was 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 something to behold. Um, and then on top of that, the uh, double shot to the head slash shoulder hit to Tate. Um, Obviously, the ensuing argument with the the coaching staff slash team doctors and the defensive players, 
And then from there, I've also seen complaining about, and I'm basically just laying this out as a menu for anything you guys would like to, to take from it. Um, the marching chiefs playing the uh, straight through whatever, I don't know what they'll call it, the Tom Petty tribute for the guy who left Gainesville and had nothing to do with Gainesville, but then once he died, all of a sudden it became a tradition. Uh, and then the um, cutting up of of the sod post game, the how dare they? I can't believe this, and and uh, somehow Florida's um, total ignorance to anything that Florida State does as as a program and and is traditional. So I will lay it out there, and John is our elder statesman. Any of those interest <laughs> you for the Florida before I want to go to their program as a whole? But anything in this game out of those that interested you? Um, I did think the guy uh, turning it onto the spray setting, but you know, <laughs> spinning was uh, definitely an interesting way to go right in front of the ref. It's just, you know, not something you'd normally expect them to do. I, I, I don't know. I, some people are making, trying to make some points. I saw on Twitter about, you know, um, UF was undisciplined, right? Definitely crowding Travis while the team doctors are trying to attend to him. You know, they Tate. run out on the field. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, Tate. Tate runs, you know, he's on the field and the team doctors run out. And then you got like six or seven Gator players are trying to just stand right there in the way. I, I don't know what they're doing. Look, I mean, my opinion is now uh, Billy Napier has two losing seasons. You're not going to go. It's even worse than last year because you're not even making a bowl game. You lost – losing season in the regular season this in your second year and then your schedule next year is a slaughterhouse i it's absolutely insane uh it's the type of schedule florida would never schedule for a million years under jeremy foley i don't know who who's ever scheduled this for them i don't see how napier survives but especially if i don't know i don't like the gators um clearly it's just interesting when you see the difference between like I saw that scene, right? With all crowding Tate on the ground while the team doctors for Florida State are trying to do their thing and check him out versus like when Brock Glenn scored last week and he's running off the field and Norvell's like, did you give the ref the game, the ball? You know what I mean? The difference in the details and the discipline and things like that, I, I do think were kind of interesting, but the funniest thing, you know, is gross was the spray setting for, you know, the little spit incident. Uh, it's just, you know, an interesting choice. Ben, I give you the same options. Which would you like to talk about? Ooh, uh, honestly, with the spray thing, I didn't even know that was something that a person could do. So <laughs> oh, you got you to gotta go to school for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just impressed uh, more than anything. Uh, no, I mean, look, you know, I, I think, um, you know, a program kind of shows its colors in those sort of situations. And you saw exactly who Florida was, a, a low-class school, in my opinion, and a low-class program. I'll leave it at that. Wow. Well, well go ahead, John. I was going to say, I mean, coach, uh, teams take on the identity of their coaches. They, they set the tone. And I don't know what tone Napier setting, but you got a couple of dirty plays from, from Florida. Um, and, and I, I try to give them some leeway, right, with the the Tate thing, because when offensive players duck like that, it's sometimes too late for defensive players to do anything about it. But you got two guys, and they hit him real hard right in the head. And you could have called targeting on it, even taking that into account, I thought. Um, and it wasn't mad that the refs didn't throw – they didn't throw – did they throw targeting on that play? I can't remember. They did. Yeah. I wouldn't have been mad about it either way, but I was fine with them calling targeting and injecting one of them. But um, it, it is hard for defensive players, but you, you gotta you can't do that. Oh, I, just to piggyback up Ben's thing, teams take on the identity of their coaches, and I think we saw some of that on Saturday. Yeah, I, I that that along with the the play where the Florida guy was. Uh... The coach was trying to grab him to get his attention, and the and the player swung back and knocked his arm off him, and then went out mm -hmm. on the field. Um, oh, there's and, a and sorry, one more thing. Um, there was a Florida player who flipped off the uh, FSU sideline. Uh, it was like right at the beginning of the game, uh, which you know that that, that uh, least frisky out of everything that happened, but still, you know, I want to make sure I add that to the list. Yeah, it's a I long mean, list though. It is a long list, and I, and I think. And look, a lot of this is is rivalry weekend, right? I mean, flipping off the sideline, the 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 big hit standing over a guy that you you may or may not have knocked out uh, is part of it, right? The cutting up the field is obviously a tradition, but 
I see how Florida, after losing uh, an embarrassing game and, and a disaster of a fourth quarter where you said you wouldn't back down and then literally lost 15 yards. <laughs> um, I mean, I see that. I, I see where all of that comes from. I see where you get mad a- as the marching chiefs play during your tribute or whatever that you do literally every week. And, and um, I don't like Florida. So all of that to me is fine. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I we, we've talked about it all the time. I'm an, I'm an LSU guy who's here to cover Florida state and, and kind of split the middle on, on fair balance and those sorts of things. And when it comes to UF, I am anything, but I just, I can't stand them. I uh, don't like them at all. And I'm more than happy to watch them for lack of a better phrase, show their ass to everybody in front of the whole thing. And my personal favorite part was, John, what you said, it's a program that just looks wildly undisciplined, Um, just totally at a loss. I mean, obviously, they pushed Missouri to the brink the week before, and you felt like, okay, they're starting to do something right. They they look better, I guess, despite the struggles all season. They, They... uh, at least contended with LSU on the road the week before that. Uh, and then they came home and and just as undisciplined and unruly a team could have played a game is, is how I felt like they played it. Uh, and John, to your point on the schedule next year, it's not that the dates aren't finalized. So this isn't really in order, um, but this is just opponents out of conference, Miami at home, Samford at home, UCF at home, and then Florida State at, at Doak. The rest of the schedule is the SEC schedule. They've got the usual game with Georgia. They have Kentucky at home, LSU at home, Ole Miss at home, Texas A&M at home, and then they go on the road for Mississippi State, Tennessee, and Texas. I mean, I look at Texas, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, LSU, Florida State, Kentucky, Georgia, Miami, I mean, even UCF maybe as losable games if this program doesn't really figure it out. Um, there's a lot of interesting pieces over there. And I think as Florida state, if you look around, we talked about Miami before as a program that's obviously trying to build and you can see Mario doing the recruiting and the things that are putting at least a foundation in place, right? The strong offensive line, the great defensive line, you can at least look at Miami and say, there's a plan. You kind of see what they're trying to do. You look at Florida and you're just like, well, which game does Napier get fired after? Um, for a for a a start that began with a quarterback who went top 15 in the NFL draft and a win over Utah to end up where we are now um, with Graham Mertz and and kind of nothing behind it. It seemed like I, I just it's very it's a very bad spot for UF to be and I think but I think a great spot if you're Florida State looking at your rival and going hey yeah I'll I like that I like that yeah I like that <laughs> I'm good yeah. with them looking the way they looked I mean it's just it's a program that seems rudderless at this point yeah and I know that a lot of the people in at Florida want stability right but that's the thing is how do you keep Napier after what looks like maybe potentially three losing seasons in a row? And because because the trend for a lot of the U, the UF coaches in recent seasons has been they start really, really well, win 10 or 11 games, and then it goes downhill. So for Napier to potentially have three losing seasons to start, it might be better for them if they want the stability really to just kind of like call next year a wash and let him ride that wave, get over the other side of it, and then kind of see what you have in 2025. But I don't think that they're going to be that patient. So they're stuck in a bad place. And I agree. I mean, it's fantastic and hilarious when your rivals just – like you said, a rudder list, they have no direction. They're they're lots of turnover. Um, you know, Mario Cristobal's not doing great at Miami either. So I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and and to to cap off the Florida discussion, this is from Mark Ryan on Twitter at Mark Ryan on air. Don't know him, just saw the stat, but uh he's on nationally CBS Sports Radio and locally at the fan upstate, whatever that is. Um, and he tweeted, Florida suffers three straight losing seasons for the first time in 78 years, 1945 to 1947. So, um, it's been World War II since Florida has lost three <laughs> seasons in a row. And, you know, to, to, you are in a great spot to be the program in this state that's clearly rising, getting better, climbing, dare I say. Uh, you know, to, to be that program, as you look around, look, you've got things to figure out this off season. I mean, obviously you're going to lose a lot, but 
there's at least a plan. When you look at your at your program, you look at what you have, and you can say, I have confidence in Norvell as a leader. I have confidence in what he instills in the players and the way they come out and represent your school, your university, uh, and as a team for each other and 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 you know, for the name on the front of the chest type stuff. Um, you have to feel good about what you have, considering where you know you were three, four years ago. Yeah. I mean, at, you know, as the kids say, Florida State is back, uh, you know, <laughs> they're back. I mean, you know, I I, I think, um, you know, for, for even people who are more casual FSU fans, um, you know, they understood how bad things were and, you know, just, just the stability beyond this season. Um, you know, th- this program is, is in a good as place as it has been in the last five, 10 years. So, I mean, yeah, you, you got to feel really good about it moving forward. One small note I just wanted to say um, about the Florida game is shout out to, to the marching chiefs. We heard them throughout the entire game. You know, of course people made a, a big thing about the Tom Petty, um, you know, song, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, you know, throughout the entire game, you were, you were hearing the, you were hearing the band and uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think I saw one tweet that said it sounded like they were in their living room. I forget where that was, but that was that was pretty funny. Um, I mean, yeah, good good on them on doing their jobs and and really just you know getting in the way, right? That's really it, right? Just annoy annoy your rival, and that's what you're looking to do. Uh, I guess one last question before we get out of here, and I, and I teased this at the very beginning, so I'm glad I could bring it full circle. Do you believe, and and Ben, I'll go to you first here, that this is a successful season? With a loss to Louisville, do you need to win to have a successful season? Boy, John just like fell out of his chair trying to think of his answer to this question. <laughs> ben, I feel bad I came to you first, so I'll tap dance while you think it through and not have to answer this immediately. Uh, uh no. Uh, yeah, that's a really tough question. <laughs> I think I think I want to preface this by saying it matters what it looks like. Um. I, you know what? I'll say yes, just because um, I think, you know, it'd be a bummer if they didn't make the college football playoff. Um, and, and that would be the case, obviously, if they're losing to Louisville. Yeah. But I I think if you look at this year, what this program accomplished and the direction they're heading in, um, this is everything we could have wanted in the preseason, you know, and I and I think it makes it the 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 reason that that question was tough was not because of what we thought about this team four months ago, but because of what I thought about this team two weeks ago before Jordan Travis got hurt and what we thought, you know, they were on course for. Um, so I think it's hard for me to say out loud that, you know, oh, it's successful if they lose. But in reality, it is considering all the factors of you know, this season, how everything went down. Um, It'd be a bummer, um, but it would be successful in that they overcame, you know, what we expected out of them. They moved this program in the right direction. um, And, you know, they're, they're good moving forward. I I think it's just would leave you with a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth in the sense that, you know, we saw the potential with this team and they're not going to quite hit that. And like Jared first said, you know, this team has not played a complete game. And honestly, I don't think they will. Um, Even if they make the playoff, I I just think, you know, this team, um, they're kind of frustrating, but yeah, I I would say a long winded answer. Um, Yes. That is a successful season. John, is that enough time for you to think it through? Yeah. Um. (laughs) Uh okay. So 12 and 0 is a special season. There's nothing that will take that away. Okay. Uh it is worth celebrating. Uh, if you lose to Louisville, it is not a successful season, in my opinion. I had said, and I cannot change this. I said at the beginning, I predict them 11 and 1. I don't care about the playoff. You have to win the ACC. See, this is the year you take away from Clemson. They did that, but you have to finish it. You have to win the ACC because, yes, going 12-0 and 0 is special. It's amazing. But then you end up with nothing but a bowl game. You have to win this game against Louisville, right? Um, you know, beating Florida was one because it's a rival, and two is for getting into the playoff. This Louisville game is for all the marbles, right? Because for whatever people are going to say about Florida State because they don't have Jordan Travis – 
if Florida State finishes, they beat Louisville and they win the ACC, they're an undefeated Power Five conference champion, especially as a lot of people think Oregon beats Washington, right, in the playoff. So you're only going to have, what, three undefeated teams left, right? And it's always possible that Bama beats Georgia, right? You have multiple one-loss teams. You have to be, if you're Florida State, one of those undefeated teams. If you lose this game, you got nothing. You're out of the playoff. You didn't win the ACC. You just get a bowl game. It'll be a good bowl game, but that's all you get. While Louisville goes to the Orange Bowl. Um, you have to win it. And I don't think it's a successful it's a successful season if you don't. It's a special season. It's worth celebrating, but I don't think it's, it's successful. Um, you got you got to do it. You got to finish. And that's what scares me about this game. I was nervous for the Florida game. I'm going to be out of my mind for the Louisville game. I, I don't know how I'm going to handle the nerves because you have to have it. You have to win. And Louisville is a good team. Um, and they're definitely good enough to be – I think Florida State's better, but Louisville's definitely good enough to win – with with uh, Tate Rodemaker with Florida State has Tate, so you gotta have it. I don't know how it's you melted my brain by asking me this question, but it's not. It's not. It's not a successful season. I can't say that it is. I tend so when I asked the question, I fully intended to say yes because I think you could look yourself honestly in the mirror, and I've done that twice now for some reason in this show, and say, yeah, this is a team that with its quarterback is 13 and 0 and on its way to a playoff. Um, and I think that partially goes to Ben's point. It depends what it looks like. Um, I feel like you guys have both swayed me, uh, um, especially John's argument there at the end, because if you do go 12 and one and you end up in maybe the peach bowl, if you end up take, getting taken as an at large, or if you look poor, I mean, I could see yourself sliding some of these bowl, you know, numbers, these bowl lists, and and kind of being uh, a little further down where they're picking teams, right? I mean, maybe you're out of that quote unquote New Year's six window because again, this when we get down to it is a business. It's about ratings and viewers and those sorts of things. Um, that would be disappointing and 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 uh, kind of a bit of a, a hurt. Um, you mentioned you've got the run game. You've got the defense where I think you could handle a team like Louisville. It's not as if Kentucky is some kind of elite team that just beat them last week. Again, it's a rivalry game, so they probably got up for it. But at the same time, if you can't get up for it in the same way in an ACC championship game, I don't know what would get you in that position. So, yeah, I think, John, you swayed me. I think I'm in on, yeah, they kind of need to – they kind of need to finish this and, and close the book. Um, I've arrived at the point where I think if they win this game that they're in, um, I don't I don't really see much in the way of an argument. The only argument I continue to have where, where I fear it is if Alabama does beat Georgia in that AC, SEC championship game, you are uh, in Auburn not doing whatever that was on 4th and 31, I think, from that, that situation kind of being completely off the table. But even in that scenario, we've talked about it before, I don't think that's one you should still miss the playoff. Um, but it, it's the most likely of the ones that do keep you out. Um, regardless, I, I like we said, I think it's successful win the game. It's certainly available. Does anyone have like the S, the ESPN predictor, like FPI, whatever's for that game? Uh, anything in front of them? I, odds makers or any of that kind of stuff? I didn't pull the number yet for that. Uh, yeah, it's in weekend. the chat. It's in the chat. Hold on. Looks like Florida State minus three and a half, and FPI gives them a 75% chance to win. Um, so, yeah, you should win. I, you know, it opened at four and a half and has been bet down to three and a half. So, um, people are taking Louisville. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, 51 and a half, relatively low scoring game as the over under. I mean, um, you've kind of got everything in front of you. Uh, just go win it. So, control your own destiny. That's right. Go win yeah. And, yeah. and go make the playoff and see what happens from there. I mean, look, is Georgia a much different task than Louisville? Sure. But you get an extra month to figure out what you look like between now and then. Yeah, you, you do. And, and you know what? I, I think if they do go undefeated and somehow miss the playoff, then you can kind of, if you're a floor state. Oh, hang the banner. Yeah, hang the banner. Oh, yeah. UCF it all the way, um, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's always that possibility. 
I just and, I that's the only disagreement I had because I think Ben's right. But that's the only disagreement I had is is I I don't think it matters how you beat Louisville. You just have to win the game, and everyone's going to scream and say Florida State's not one of the best four teams without Travis and blah blah blah. And I they may not even be wrong, but you can't leave out an undefeated Power Five conference champ. You just can't not not with how the table looks right with you know Ohio State's going to be out right, and then you got Oregon Washington rematch. The losers out. And the winner, and again, if it's not Washington, if Oregon wins, the winner has one loss, right? Um, it's just, you know, because everyone expects Michigan to beat Iowa, right? So right. I I don't think it matters. You just have to survive. You just have to. Same as Florida. Just survive, at, you know, in advance. That's all you got to do. And I think if they do that, I don't think that you can't, the committee just can't. You know how ra- outrageous that would be? To leave out a hundred feet of power five when you have multiple one loss in favor of a one loss team is how it would work. It's just not going to happen. Ben, I, I just one last for I get us out of here. I assume you were saying it depends how they look in a loss. Yes, yes, yeah. that is what I was referring to. Yeah, oh. If they win, if they win, then he's he's good with anyway. Anyway, they win, but if depending on how the loss looks, that's oh. where he would kind of draw the line. But regardless, we'll get to all find out together. It's a Saturday night eight. PM Eastern kick on ABC. So the whole world gets to watch it. Um, I'm curious what the rest of that slate, that's normally where the big 10 game is also being played. Um, I imagine most people probably won't be watching that one, assuming they know what happens and more eyes on Florida state. So uh, it's going to be make or break for you. It's going to be every eye on you, everyone interested in what you do. Um, Yeah. It's just the same time as that Michigan, Iowa game. So it's all about you, man. It's go out there. It's win the game, and you're in. Everyone will be watching you, seeing what you do. So it's up to Florida State. Go win the game. Put yourself in that position. Be a playoff team. I think we all kind of expect them to be uh, back in the top four, if not sitting just right back there at number five again uh, this week. Four yeah. or five? I, I think it's going to be four, but I mean, as John has made this point many, many, many times, it's <laughs> it's not that ranking that matters. It's the final ranking. That's it's the, the one that comes out next week, and that one's on Sunday, I believe. Right? We'll be we'll be post that the next time you hear from us. Yeah. So uh, so we will we will have that next Sunday, uh, and Ben, you're going to be up in Charlotte for us for that one at the eight p.m. start. I am. Yeah, it's it's going to be a really, really fun game experience, I think. First time going to that stadium in Charlotte, so really interested to see what that's like. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to a to a good game, man. There's there's nothing like seeing a good game from the press box. Um, yeah, so I honestly, more than anything, um, just, just want to have a, a fun, good game on Saturday night. If you have a beer, restaurant, all that kind of stuff, recommendations drop them in the comments let ben know where he needs to go what he needs to see what he needs to be doing if you've got a tailgate please invite ben go ahead comment it let him know come on down free things to eat free things to eat let him know um we'll see but until then till next week for all of us brian john ben that's a wrap 